Good morning. Welcome to the Gentle Project podcast all about kindness. This is Irene Kartik your host for the show. The Gentle Project podcast all about kindness is an initiative to share stories, perspectives and view on kindness across different walks of life through different guests that we bring on the show. This is our humble attempt to just nudge the world a little bit that there's always a choice to be kind. So I really hope that you enjoy listening to this show. This is the second part of my conversation with Lee Chambers who is the founder of Essentialize UK and uh, Lee is an environmental psychologist, a well-being consultant who combines multiple disciplines to help organizations and individuals achieve their uh, personal and organizational goals. So let's uh, continue this con- conversation uh, with Lee on employee well-being and kindness. So Lee, uh, in one of your blogs I was uh, reading where you've uh written that hr becomes people and people move into the balance sheet their well-being affects the value and how employee well-being is an underutilized kpi so that brings us to uh the discussion on kindness so what is your take on kindness at workplace and how is it linked to well-being it's Again, work is our going to go on the balance sheet and that is coming. And that's a source of capital. Every employee has a value. And really, it's not, it's not my kind of methodology to give them uh, a monetary value. Because people are not money. People are people. And yet, this is something that's going to happen that will hopefully ensure that businesses look to not only develop and train their employees to become more valuable in a workplace, but also to ensure that their well-being is maintained. If anything, the well-being is regenerated because someone who is well will simply be worth more than someone who is not. And maybe this will become a, a tipping point for companies to really dig that bit deeper to understand that your employees need to be given the space and the capacity to be well both in work and without of work. And what's so important about kindness is really an employee's well-being doesn't start with workshops and fruit bowls and yoga classes. It starts with how they feel in the workplace. And really, there's so many things that at a base level they actually need to feel but the three most important things are a sense of belonging that they actually feel like this is a place where I can be myself and I'm included and I belong here a, a place where they're appreciated so they are given kindness and compassion by the people around them and they are given feedback And even when the feedback is constructive, it's given not in a way of blame, but in a way of, I can possibly help you to work on that in a different aspect or 
let's look how we can do it differently. And that appreciation and that belonging makes you feel like you're part of work. And the third one is the autonomy and space to grow into your role and grow as a human being. So if you have the space to grow into and a company gives you that space, then you feel like you can try new things. You feel like you could possibly go and do a project and it not go exactly to plan. But you could bring your gifts without feeling that you had to do exactly what you were told. And as human beings, we love having some element of choice. We love having the ability to take a decision ourselves without having to ask for permission all the time through a process. So all of a sudden, if you're cultivating workplace organisational culture where there is an embedded space and autonomy for employees to grow, where there's kindness, compassion and belonging built into a company's values, then those values are lived then that is your foundations for employee well-being. When you've built that, all of a sudden you have the ability to start to build other well-being practices and strategies on top, starting to look at how you can help employees with their own health behaviours, how you can help the employees attach their values to the company's values. And now you can actually start to help them to become leaders in their own lives, because when people feel like they can lead their own lives, they start to take ownership over their own well-being. That authority is transferred and suddenly they look to try and improve themselves while the business gives them a platform to do that as well. And all of a sudden, you become more than just a single unit employee in another balance sheet of a business. You become intertwined into the whole network the whole story that a business is and hopefully every business out there has a mission has values and wants to do something that positively changes the world and all of a sudden your employees they don't just turn up for a paycheck they turn up to build a career that hopefully one day will be a calling something that they can bring their values to as well and when we give people that space to open and honestly communicate then we find kindness seeps into those gaps. All of a sudden, the small little transactions of love on a daily basis, whether it be a smile, whether it be collaboration and teamwork, that's natural, that's not forced, whether it be just the ability to have those small talks between employees when you see the person next to you, you know that today they don't seem themselves. So you can have that bit of courage to have that conversation, put your arm around them and ask them, are you okay? And how are you feeling? Because again, those work friendships, they play such a massive part in our well-being. Social connection through our work is so important. And that's why kindness is absolutely vital. And some companies have now taken that on and started to realize that this, those kind gestures and adopting a kinder approach to working it's very very good not only for the profits of the business but the staff's morale the motivation they become more engaged in the work they're less likely to leave and all of a sudden the industry talent they hear about you at the awards at the networking 
they say to the friends working at the company across the road, they say, it's a great place to work. They care about me. There's kindness in the workplace. It makes me feel happy to go and work on a Monday. I don't fear going to work because there's just something there. I feel like I can go and do my work and, you know, express myself a little bit. And when you have that, all of a sudden, all the industry's talent is knocking on your door because you become a beacon of kindness in a business community that's not always been a very kind place. As an employee who's worked for more than a decade, I find it interesting that sometimes well-being is connected to the fruit bowl, like you said, or uh, to having a well-stocked beer fridge. I think those are different aspects of the employee environment. And uh, kindness can also be through the mental environment as well as the physical environments. And as I know that you work on the physical environment along with the mental environment, uh, so how do you collaborate uh, both these environments? Yeah, so I do a lot of assessment. So the physical aspect and the psychological aspect, they complement each other. So what it comes down to is people have environmental stress at work and that might be more physical. There might be lots of noise. The lighting might not be very good. The ventilation might be poor. The density of the office might be too dense or too sparse. And they all impact people all the time. If you look at the psychological aspects, if people don't feel like they belong, if people don't feel like they're included, if people feel that they're working in a toxic environment where they might get blamed, where they feel like they can't fail or can't be themselves, where they feel like management are completely overtaking them, and where they feel that they don't care, when there's no care, no love in a workplace, that's a toxic environment. And when you look at both together, you realize that it doesn't take a lot often to change these environments because everyone has slightly different environmental needs. But it's about actually going out there and I assess and talk to the employees to see because when you talk to a group of employees, what you see so often are common themes things that they've probably highlighted before. But all of a sudden, when I collate them in a report and go to management and leadership from a position of authority, they listen to me because, number one, they've paid me some money, so they have some investment. And number two, I take it and I deliver it in a number of forms in a report visually and really start to look at who I'm speaking to and how I need, would need to deliver this information to them. And so often they'll say, oh, so Susan has said this before, but we just thought that she was complaining. And I'll say, no, because 40 of your 52 employees have highlighted the same issue. The office doesn't flow right. You've designed this office and bought this furniture and at no point have you spoke to the people who are there eight hours every day. And it needs to be set out how they need it to be. Those social design elements, it needs to be congruent for their job. 
it needs to be light enough, ventilated. You need the density to be right for them to be able to collaborate and communicate, but not feel like they're invading each other's personal space. The actual office needs to flow so that they can walk into the office and feel that they can carry out their work in a natural, natural pattern. A visitor should be able to come into the office and navigate around and it feel like it works. That's like the acid test because otherwise these little things and sometimes it's tiny little things like I would prefer to be sat on the other side of the office where it's lighter and where it's slightly more, you know, slightly less noisy. And that's people's environmental need. They stated that, but all of a sudden they're just told, no, you sit over there, you sit here. And they never actually look like I so often go in and they've covered skylights over so there's less natural light. And lots of tiny little things. We're not talking about complete refits. We're not talking about architectural redesign. We're talking about just listening to your employees and letting them have input in the things that affect them the most because they do those jobs. They are the face of your business. They are usually the first point of contact. They do significant amounts of the work that then becomes the business that you represent. So their feedback is vital because they're there. It's like asking the people who don't do it what they should do. No, you would want to ask the people who are there on the front lines actually dealing with it. And it's like, it seems so simple. And yet it seems to be underutilized more often than not. Because when you get the data and all of a sudden you see the patterns, you start to see what small changes could make a really big impact. That's so true. People make up a company and uh, people as well as the environments uh, are such an important part of the entire ecosystem. Uh, with COVID-19, a lot has changed. There has been a lot of loss in lives. Uh, so do you see that um, companies are now shifting priorities towards the employee well-being, um, trying to make the workplaces more attuned to the employee needs? Yeah, so what I'm kind of finding is there's, there's a number of different separations. If you look at the overall bigger picture, well-being and environments are they're being more focused on overall because people are starting to realize that these are these are big factors and with covid it covid will cause a mental health crisis because of the those underlying levels of anxiety that we've all been under the fact that we've had to adapt and acclimatize to lots of different methodologies and ways of working and living very quickly and just the fact that that kind of really it's the first time many of us have had to come together as a shared human experience to fight against something that's ultimately has the potential to end our lives but obviously from a business perspective there's really two very significant approaches there's ones at the moment who have decided that the well-being budget and the environmental budget are lower priorities because they are trying to survive as a business. And that's understandable. When I speak to those, I say, I understand the current situation. 
you know, your employee environment, employee experience and employee well-being isn't paramount if you're unable to pay your employees because then the financial well-being will become more of an impact than the other elements. And additionally, if your business is not sustainable, then you won't have the employees to look after. So I've said to those companies, I understand and hopefully you will manage your recovery well. Do what you can for your employees in this challenging time. And when you're ready to take the next step, I'll be waiting. I'll be here, get in contact, but I'm not going to keep asking you because so many companies just continually get asked, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? It's actually much better to ask them to come when they are ready because they'll probably remember the one person who said that rather than the people who kept phoning. On the other side, there are companies who are now realizing that the people have gone through this incredibly challenging period and yet it's the people who are going to be the company's recovery. So they are prioritizing their well-being budget and looking at actively at ways to start to embed more positive practice that can be measured, that can be evolved, simply because in these challenging times, it's actually a really good time for companies to step away from the status quo and really place a flag in the sun that they are going to prioritize their employees because their employees are going to drive the processes that will drive the recovery. And you want your people to be in a good place when it's challenging because they will be able to make the best of these situations and these challenges. If anything, a company can empower people to step up into the challenge when the crisis hits and also help them to become more resilient through the crisis. And that really starts with looking at ways to ensure that the culture is positive. It's harder to do that when people are working remotely, which is why it's increasingly important at the moment to ensure people continue to be binded together and still continue to communicate both in a work context but also given the space of the open and honest conversations as human beings and really facilitating that and giving them the space to do that is vital because in an office environment we do that when we go to make a coffee or go to get a cup of water from the machine or go past each other on the corridor. We have those little moments of social contact where we ask someone, how's your family? What have you been up to at weekend? How's the hobby going? And when you're working remotely, you just don't get those little moments in the same way. So it's vital that we ensure that we do that, that managers check in on their employees, not checking in on, have you done your work, but checking in, how are you doing? I understand, look, Normally, people would take six months to go from office working to remote working while they did a, a, a staggered, phased, you know, technological audit and all the other acclimatization and adaptations that they do. And all of a sudden, most employees across the world did it in a week. So people are going to feel pretty challenged. Suddenly, people are working, educating, living, sleeping and relaxing all in the same space. And no one could have predicted that at the start of the year. And it's been an incredibly challenging time for so many people, including the people who've now fi their financial well-being because they've been let go or because they, you know, they've potentially been furloughed and found themselves in a, in a position where they're struggling financially. And the people who've worked on the front lines and continually worked 12 hours, 
for continuous periods and they're facing their own challenges of literally being burnt out and really not having anything left to give. And there's so many different people in different positions. But what we do know is that if we have compassion, if we ensure people stay connected, and if we actually go out there with a culture of care and kindness and look after people, then you can help them to get through even the most challenging times. Because in a world where there's so much information and so much advice, we don't need any more of that. What we need is encouragement and empowerment to help people to find the answers within themselves, to go through the challenges and to step up into their growth, into their potential, and really go and express themselves and make a difference in the world. Absolutely. I mean, uh, the world needs uh, a lot more compassion and care and kindness. And in fact, it is definitely present. And during these times, uh, I hear of stories of how people are helping each other. And uh, as you rightly pointed out, the mental health crisis is something that is going to come back and uh, hit us all very hard. I think all of us have undergone some kind of challenges during this period and especially for companies as they try to balance the business goals and uh, the employee goals. These small uh, uh, little things, as you said, it's it's going to work and having a conversation uh, with your worker on how the person is doing, it, it really makes a lot of difference. I feel the whole uh, world has been going gaga about the remote working aspect. But I feel that uh, we need a balance. Um, only remote cannot be the way of life. Um, do you agree? Oh, definitely. So what I kind of foresee for the future is from a sustainability perspective, we actually still need office spaces, but hopefully those office spaces will be more integrated within natural environments and everyone has their own environmental need. So it's really important that these companies don't just say, oh, we're going to sell our office and you all have to work at home because domestic home design is behind office design in terms of working. Very, very few houses across the world have been designed with having a workspace in mind. And that means that we then need to try and shoehorn a workspace into uh, a place that's not been designed with that in mind. So what's really vital is there are some people for who remote working is really effective. They find it to be the kind of default and happier place. And for them to have that option is important because again, it comes down to that autonomy ability to make some decisions and shape your working life if you really find remote working beneficial it'd be great if you could remote work four days a week and you have one day back in the office but in the same way there's some people who who need an office environment it really helps them to be outside of their own home for some people it's important to remember that we often talk about toxic workplace environments for some people, the home environment is toxic and work is safe. And it's so important that we actually don't just decide that remote working is the future. Everyone needs to work from home because you can't make a shift like that. So 
simply because everything is connected. You actually need to start to look and see what do you think would work for you? Four days in the office and one day remote. For some people, they already have a job, which means that they don't spend a lot of time at the office. Maybe they're an area manager and they spend a lot of time traveling. There's lots of different jobs and different designs. And for some industries, it's much easier to work remotely than others. It's all of a sudden understandable that remote working has been asked by millennials as a flexible working benefit. It's becoming more and more something that they would like to do as they try to design their lives around the work because we don't really have a work-life balance because it doesn't ever balance. It's continually moving. If anything, we have life and work's a little wheel inside of us that spins and then we stop it and then it spins again and we stop it because work is integral to who we are and the life that we live. And to be able to spin that wheel when we want to spin it, that feels good. That's something that gives us the choice, the decision to utilize our own knowledge of how our bodies and minds work and do the work at the best time for us because we run on little clocks inside our own cells, our biorhythms. We can start to do work at the best times for us, then we'll actually produce better work. But it's just so important that we now go into this period where, again, assess your employees who really, really prefers the office, who likes a balance, who likes more remote, how can we utilize our roles to ensure that people get a little bit of what they need and a little bit of what they want and start to look at the bigger picture and realize that for some people remote working is not even an option. And again, we have lots of different challenges and scenarios, but when we start to look at things on a more personal level, rather than mandating remote working for a thousand people. That's when you start to get the benefits because things have been looked at from a more personal perspective, allowing people to find what working style really works for them and then bringing that to the table because that is where they'll be most productive, more creative, more engaged, and more importantly, their well-being is and will be at its highest when they are able to shape that working experience for themselves. That That's so true. I mean, it, it is just not a, a white and black answer. There's so much to it. Uh, coming to kindness, I mean, general project, uh, it, it is an initiative all about kindness. As somebody who's studied the... Uh, psychology what do you think is the best way to nudge people towards kindness um it's almost to help them become more self-aware themselves because if you're not particularly self-aware and you lack emotional intelligence which is something that can be cultivated both self-awareness and emotional intelligence can be cultivated and when you cultivate those together, it builds you into a person who just becomes simply more kind and compassionate about others because it removes your judgment. It starts to remove some of your automatic reactions. You actually take a little step back and choose your response and you can choose a kinder response and you don't 
necessarily you're not triggered in the same way by things so all of a sudden you open up that gap where you can step into and actually bring elements of kindness you start to realize that the little interactions are incredibly powerful the smile the thank you the little bit of eye contact with a person you come across in on the street the 10 seconds to just say i appreciate that thank you that's what really brings that bits of kindness in but it's so important that we have that self-awareness because so many of us live on autopilot all the time and when you live like that don't give yourself that space to actually actively be kind to people and you might consider yourself quite a kind person but if you spend your whole life reacting to what happens around you and you're not proactive in ensuring that you help people to see that you are empathetic to their situations you have compassion for what they're going through and that you're willing to actually step up and help and advise and encourage and guide and support when needed then you suddenly you might actually think that you're quite kind but not actually be bringing that much kindness to the world so kindness really starts with you and when you build that within you you almost become like a little light yourself of kindness you spread that little bit of kindness you give other people kind words but also a certain feeling that kindness cultivates within others and it lets them switch the little light on inside themselves and they'll then go and spread that because kindness is contagious and once we start that chain reaction it makes a massive difference because they then spread that to the other people they come into contact with you give someone a kind word a kind expression and a little token of kindness in the present and they will be kind to the next person they'll be kind probably all day it will stay with them it will resonate it will reflect to others and suddenly the world becomes a kinder place with everyone we come across whether it be on the street in the shop on the road driving to work people at work our own families when we get home we'll have more patience we'll be more present we'll have more charisma we'll be more happy fulfilled and healthier because when kindness is transferred it reminds us that we are connected to all the other humans on this planet more importantly those evolutionary psychological elements of feeling that other people care that's the type of kindness that we're looking for not likes on social media but actual kind actions that's what will make people feel really fulfilled and spread kindness around the world that we live in today that that's lovely i mean yes uh, kindness indeed starts with us and uh, once we are kind to ourselves then we'll be able to kind of spread this chain of kindness so that that's really wonderfully so lee how do people reach you if if they want to get in touch with you yeah so they can get in contact with me on essentialize.co.uk on my website at leechambers.org and all my socials are on those websites 
So if you contact me and want to work with me or get more information about what I do and read my blogs, you can find me on those websites. Great. So Lee, I think it was such a lovely conversation. Uh, in fact, it went beyond from a planned time, but it, it was really lovely. So do you have any parting thoughts before we wrap up this episode? Yeah, I would just say the best thing for people to do is to start looking deeper inside themselves and actually do one kind action every day because kindness is a bit like a muscle. The more kind you are, the more kind you become, the more capacity you have to be kind and the more positive things you see in life to share with that kindness. Beautiful. Kindness is indeed like a muscle and yes, one needs to practice it every day. So thank you Lee so much for uh, taking time out and joining us today. And I really hope that I will get you back for another episode on a discussion about kindness sometime later. So thank you so much Lee. It was a pleasure talking to you. Oh, it was a privilege Irene. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you. That was a wonderful conversation with Lee. I really enjoyed it. Lee touched upon many key elements of employee well-being. As I conclude this episode, there are two things that remain on top of my mind. The first part being the sense of belonging as an employee. The sense of belonging as an employee can come through compassion and kindness at workplaces. The second being workspace are also a space where the employees grow into the role as well as as an individual. I think those are the two important things apart from all the other discussion that we had on well-being. And as Lee concluded, when kindness is transferred, it reminds us how interconnected we are and that is such a beautiful and deep thought to dwell upon. I really hope that you enjoyed our episode today. Please do share and subscribe to our podcast and if you have any suggestions please write to me at kindnessissuper at gmail.com For more information on our project please do visit our website at gentleproject.io and I hope that you tune in next week where we have a wonderful guest talking about creativity and innovation. Have a lovely day.